Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's special edition of Freeman Means Business Peer Podcast. Every now and then, those of you who are regular listeners know that I have on um, really special, unique, wonderful people in the world who are not women. They are allies in our fight for equity in the workplace. And today's guest is Scott Love of the Attorney Search Group. Scott, welcome, and thanks for being here. Thank you, Susan. I'm excited to be your guest today. It's so great to have you on because I, you know, you're usually the one on this side of the mic. You're usually the one interviewing others. So I'm super <laughs> excited to role play and switch roles with you today. Um, I know great. a little bit about you, but I don't know everything about you. I'm going to try to get to know more today. So tell us a little bit about your background and what you do. Sure. Well, I start, I'll start off with what I do. I'm what, what I call a high-stakes headhunter. I work like a sports agent for law firm partners that wish to reach their full potential, knowing that in their cases, the only time they can do that is by joining another firm. So that's what I do. I love it. I've been headhunting since 1995. I remember the first day I got into recruiting, I knew that I would do it for the rest of my life because you make a significant impact both in the lives of people and also organizations. So that's what I do, got into it circuitously. I went to the Naval Academy, was on a Navy ship, was a leadership trainer, got into sales, and then got into headhunting and uh, started a training company, training recruiters. A lot of my training and consulting clients were legal search firms. And I saw if I ever wanted to get back into recruiting as a practitioner, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I did about 10 years ago and haven't looked back since. I do, uh, do individual partner placements in even large groups and even mergers. I've been fortunate enough to have some recent home runs in that area too. Wow. I love, well, first of all, I love the sports analogy, so keep it up. Um, <laughs> okay, good. Everybody good. loves sports, right? So second of we'll all- We'll keep going uh, down the fairway on that, Susan. We'll <laughs> okay, keep going down golf. the fairway on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so great at golf, but I do know what fairway Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm a pretty good driver down the green, but I can't get the hole in the in the ball in the hole. So um, right, right, right. That's so funny. I think getting the ball in the hole is a critical part of playing golf. <laughs> that's Not right. My thing. Well, let me ask you. You've already shared with me why you started doing what you do, and I want to make it clear to our listeners that Scott is like high end recruiter. He like, so he only recruits for attorneys and so, well, and C-level people. So it's not like if you're um, looking for, you know, any job or any staffer, it's, it's, this is super duper top secret security clearance stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. They had to bring in the Navy guy to do it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, let me ask you straight up, how, how do lawyers, and then on the other side of it, how do firms really, um, you know, benefit from what you do? Well, the firms, in I don't want to say it's all about growing the revenue, but that's a very big part of it. But it's not just that. I'll bring partners that have a cadre of loyal clients. And it's not just what's the top line revenue this partner is going to bring to our firm, but it's the client relationships that already exist. And, and I'll kind of summarize it this way, Susan, if you think about lateral partner recruiting, bringing partners from firm A to firm B, it's what I think is probably the most effective form of client development because you're adding a cadre of about a dozen key relationships with that C-suite executive where that C-suite executive has that trusted partner relationship with this attorney. And so that's what these firms get. 
And so many times firms are looking to fill a gap they, or they have a strategic priority or they have a geographic focus area. There's always a reason. So it's exciting to get involved in that and to help the firms out and helping them reach their goals. So what I hear you saying is at the end of the day, you help to grow and protect the firm. And, you know, something that's hard, I think, for firms, having worked in-house, I know this to be true. Um, the candidates always say, or most often say, yes, I can bring a big book of business, or I have strong relationships with the people at this company. Or, and there's really not a, an easy way for the firm to find out, you know, not that not that, that person's lying, but to find out how much, right. how big, how strong are right. these relationships. Right. So that's super valuable that you help, you know, pave that path. And you super valuable to the firms that you can, you know, um, be a trusted resource on that. Because I know that when partners want to work at a new firm, of course, they're going to say, these are my top clients and I can bring them with me. But we have to check, well, who else do they do work with and how much and what kind? Right. What's right. the rate for that work and how much are they paying to whom? So awesome. We're, awesome. we're playing three-dimensional chess here. We're playing three-dimensional chess and that's exactly what it is. It's the, uh, the nexus of all these different variables have to converge in alignment. It's like a cipher where that combination has to line up precisely. Otherwise, it's not going to work. It's either everything works to a mutual satisfaction of needs between the partner and the firm where the true beneficiary is the client and that's the whole key in lateral partner recruiting it's not about the firm it's not about the partner it's about the client but, so anyway we can, we can talk more about that later on no i love that i don't think people think that way we i think in general we think two-dimensional helping the lawyer helping the firm but what about right. the client you're so right that's amazing that's right. um well, yeah i had you, i had this one partner go ahead tell me about i was, your I was gonna say this one vignette, I uh, had this one partner, he was uh, one of the top partners within his field, but the top firm and he wanted something different. I presented him several options and it gets down to two different options that he was interested in. And both of them were my clients. And he asked me, what do you think I should do? And I'm never going to answer that question because right. what if I'm wrong? I don't want to be I don't want to be blamed. <laughs> and it's not about me. It's not, it's not the Scott show, Susan. So I told him, I said, which firm do you think I said, which firm do you think would be best for your clients? And instantly he knew the answer to that question and he made his decision and it's a very good fit. The other firm was just as good of a high quality firm and it wasn't about the money, it was about the client service. So it's exciting to get to pull back the curtain and work closely with these firms at, uh, I wouldn't say at a high level, at a high level, but also getting to meet the highly competent staff that do a tremendous amount of heavy lifting and getting the deals done. And also getting to know the partners very well, where they know my, they meet my family. Sometimes I get to meet their family. Uh, I'm an artist, so I'll paint pictures of their pets when I get, when I get to know I them really it. well. And it's uh, great to walk into my clients and my candidates' offices and see my art on their walls. It's pretty exciting. You really do show, bring the love, as I might say. You do bring the love. Totally. Bring the love. Bring the love. <laughs> <laughs> I, put, love I, I put the fun, I put the, I put the fun back in fungible, Susan. I put the fun back in fungible. That's what I do. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. But I love the way you um, use questions um, to get to the bottom line. Like you really help this mm. person make their decision by asking what firm, which firm of these two amazing magnanimous firms would be the better firm for your client base. So isn't it all right. about the clients? I think so many, especially, you know, I hope I'm, well, I know I'm not alone in this, so better to be um, 
you know, with many and wrong than alone <laughs> and wrong. So right. if I'm wrong, at least I'm not alone. But I think I'm right when I say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm right when I say that um, partners don't even usually think about you know, putting the client first when they're the candidate, you know, they're the ones thinking about my life, my family, my needs, but what an easy way to make the proper determination by putting your client first. So, um, that's right. that's smart, right. very strategic, very smart. Um, well, you know, there's a lot of things that people probably misunderstand about what you do. Um, you know, can you set the record straight right here? Like, tell us. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say being a good partner level recruiter requires you to be part Olympic athlete, part gladiator and part marriage counselor, where <laughs> you have to really understand. And, and it's, it's all of those where you've got to have, I wouldn't say an aggressive personality, you've got to be aggressive and tenacious about hitting your goals. But you have to have the delicacy and the mastery of nuance in order to know when it's appropriate to nudge people forward and when to just let it go. And I think you also have to, you have to uh, take your ego, set it off to the side. Cause like I said, it's not the Scott show. It's not about me. Uh, my goal is like I said, to create that mutual satisfaction and needs between two different people. And that's the only way we do it. And if we're not going to have that, then we part as friends. And there are a lot of partners I've had, I had two conversations just today where I told the partners, I said, I think you should stay at your firm. It's not a good idea for you to leave. And if it's not, they need to stay there. It's, it's, it's about when a partner goes from one firm to another, there's a tremendous amount of risk associated with that. And unfortunately, I've done some deals where several years later, it didn't work because there was no integration strategy at the firm. The firm was very inexperienced with bringing partners over and it just didn't work out. So I've seen firsthand that it's risky. So to mitigate that risk, we've got to make sure that everything is going to line up and what are those variables that we can control to increase the odds and that give us indicators that this is going to work out? Wow, Scott, I think that's great. I will tell you, um, I don't know too many law firms that are amazing with integration and onboarding, and but you probably do considering where you sit and right. work with so many. Um, that's a tough thing to do. It, it's, you know, you're bringing this person over, you're bringing their client base, you're having to learn them. It is like relationships. It is like a marriage counselor. Right. You made me laugh when you said gladiator because right. um, my husband and I are best friends, but I'll tell you, I'm pretty spicy. I'm Italian and Jewish and that I cannot <laughs> change. <laughs> so we probably have, <laughs> more, we have more gladiator than, um, <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, but we love it. You know, it's fun. It's great. He thinks he's a Viking. So whatever. Um, right. <laughs> bring it on. So, well, that's great to know that um, you, you sort of have learned to do that dance, you know, the pullback, the right. push pull, um, the relational dialectics that go on there. That's pretty amazing. Right. Right. Um, and if I see a partner making a mistake, for example, I've got uh, several, uh, I've got one situation, the candidate is declining to go forward, but he's doing so for the wrong reasons. And I have earned the trust enough to tell him that and to encourage him to let's just keep this alive a little bit longer and get the answers to those questions. And it's nice that he trusts me with that, yes. that he is keeping it alive. And if I said, if it's not worth it, then it's not worth it to go forward. Don't worry about that, but just invest no more than 30 more minutes in this. And then you'll know with certainty whether or not it's going to help you. Uh, this, this is one of the things, Susan, I think 
because I'm different than most of the other partner level legal recruiters in that I've, I've never practiced law. I'm not a lawyer. I'm a sales guy. I'm a business guy. I see opportunities. I sense alignment of variables where the nexus can connect and result in profit. I smell money. I sense things. And I have earned the trust of these people to, to graciously, I've earned it, to show them a better way. And it's exciting to have that, but on both sides, both with the firms and also with the partners. Dude, I, I, I would buy something from you right now. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> well, I don't have anything to sell. I wish I, I did. I know, that's what I, I love I about it. You're, you take a consultative <laughs> approach. You take a uh, trusted advisor approach. I love that. Right. I, right. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's a great listener to his clients. He's, you know, the fact that a lawyer trusts you enough to let you give him pushback, that's huge. I mean, you're like the, right. the Johnny Deutsch of, of legal recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> <He's> <laughs> <master>. <laughs> that's incredible. That's really great. Well, let me ask you, um, you, you obviously meet with a lot of lawyers who are either looking to leave or mm -hmm. leave. Uh, why? Why do partners leave law firms? I would say in one word, it's leadership. And I'll explain what that means. And this is interesting. When I was 24, after I was in the Navy, I was third in command of, on a Navy ship. And uh, uh, I, I, my shorty detour, I got to be a leadership trainer at 24 when I knew everything. And, and so I got to be a, I was basically, an, I was basically an internal organizational development management consultant while I was on active duty. And I would go around to different Navy commands, civil service commands, and I would actually consult to them as a Navy integrated a new program called Total Quality Leadership, which is a derivative of W. Edwards Deming's Total Quality Management. So yeah. at a young age, I was able to see how organizations develop. I used to do a lot of keynote speaking to general corporate markets uh, on leadership. I wrote a book called Why They Follow, How to Lead with Positive Influence. So I really understand leadership. And that's the missing gap that exists within most law firms. And let me explain it this way, that a law firm is nothing more than a collective of peers held together only by conditional promises to each other. And that is it. And at the minute that that fabric starts fraying, that cat comes and starts pulling that yarn, that thing is going to fall apart. And once it develops critical mass of departures, then it's too late. And we've seen so many examples of this. What can keep that together? It's leadership. There has to be a glue that keeps people together. This is one question that I hate to ask because I always know what the answer is going to be. And I cringe when I hear the answer. If I'm meeting with the chairman or a managing partner of a firm, if I ask him this question, sadly, the answer is always going to be nothing. Uh, how much do you spend in terms of time to develop the leadership skills of your colleagues? Right. And if a partner, a, a leader of a firm, and I'm not a leadership consultant, I, I'm not, this isn't a pitch, but if they were able to get a leadership book and have a book club once a week and do something to at least talk about that concept, that's enough. A friend of mine got his organizational development PhD and his, uh, his thesis that he had to write, his dissertation was on mentorship. And I said, what, was, what, what, what did you learn from that? He said, the surprising fact was that it doesn't matter how much an organization does to mentor their people, as long as they do something, there will be a quantifiable and measurable result. And I would say it's the same thing with leadership, Susan. So that's why partners leave. Because if you think of every problem that exists in the lifespan of a partner's practice, 
whether he or she is growing their practice, whether they're trying to be an importer or an exporter of work, it has to do with how they play well in the sandbox. And there have been firms that have told me that we've got somebody we've got to get rid of, but we need to replace him or her with somebody else. And we can't do that till we fill that business. And so I can't tell you how many times I've talked to partners that share with me, they want to leave just because of the leadership. And those are things that can be ameliorated. Leadership is a skill that can be learned. And so that's the one thing I think that from my perspective, that is the number one reason. It's not about the money. The money is going to take right. care of itself. When you've got good leadership, that's the byproduct when the trains are running on time and they stay on the rails. So I, I'd say if a firm is looking to solve their bigger, bigger challenge, I would say invest in developing the leadership skills of your partners, or of, of four people, your leaders, practice group leaders, office managing partners, your partners, your associates, and the staff. That means everybody. Because if everybody understands the soft skills of leadership, they're going to thrive. And I will tell you, because I've had, if we could count the number of conversations I've had, I used to recruit in a different niche back from 95 to 2000, and, uh, or back from 2010. And I've probably had anywhere from 50 to 100,000 conversations with professionals about why they leave and why they stay. Right. And there are, there are people that tell me I'm never going to leave. And when someone tells me that, I'm always curious about that. Why is that? And they'll always respond with something like this. I love it here. There's always an emotional context to that. Right. And so I think there's one, it's one thing to have equity in a firm. There's something else to have emotional equity. Right. If a firm can lead to the point that they see that it's beyond the profits per partner, what's your mission to grow our profits per partner? That doesn't inspire anybody. Right. If there can be a self, uh, there, if there can be a selfless vision that in some way improves something that's selfless, that is inspiring. How many law firms do you know that have that? I don't know that many that do. Well, I wanted to tell you that um, I've worked with 123 law firms. I've been in-house and worked intimately with a handful. And I think that is spot on. The number one biggest issue is a lack of leadership and not knowing, right. not knowing that they need that. I mean, you go to law school, right. you know how to practice law. You don't learn uh, EQ, leadership skills, business skills, how to grow relationships, how to assess client needs, how to host a client feedback program or a client satisfaction survey or, you know, none of that. So I think you're spot on. It, they are being forced to become businesses of law, but don't have a clue how. And the first step in running a good business is good leadership. So um, I, I do have, I have a friend who's remarkable. He does amazing leadership uh, training for lawyers. Um, I'm not going to pitch him on this podcast, but I do know that he's busy. Why? Because right, what right. you say is true. Um, he's so good at what he does, but I'll tell you what, I, I, how do you know when you have a candidate who wants to go to a new firm or is looking at leaving his firm and going to, or her firm and going to another firm? How do you know in advance if that next leap will result in the same disappointing lack of leadership? That's right. That's right. And, and I would say the answer to that question is talk to people that have joined that firm within the last two years. People that have no economic benefit to you joining that firm. Right. And talk to them offline. I mean, if, if, if it was me, 
I would, if I was a partner and I'm working with the headhunter to move to another firm, I would ask for, I'd like for you to set up calls. And I would even do my own research and find out who's in that firm that I know. And I'm going to reach out to them directly just to make sure I know the true story of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, that's like the emperor's new clothes is what I always say. They don't recognize there's a lack of leadership and that primarily is the problem. Um, Wow. What a powerful, uh, yay me. I'm glad I asked you that question. Yay you. What a good answer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad they matched. There you go. So um, let me ask you a scary question. Um, There are a lot Uh of lawyers. Okay, I'm ready. Have you ever (laughs) heard of a lawyer who thinks he can do it on his own? I have heard of a few. What what happens if lawyers don't use your service and they're trying to bring their entire book of business to another firm or they're you're they're doing all this on their own without your help? What what happens? You know, I think they they can, but uh, and first thing I would say is if a, if a partner approaches a firm already you've lost leverage if a partner calls a firm or contacts a firm or even right. responds to a friend of his that's working over there you've already lost leverage they know that you're looking or that you're perceived to be looking and do you really want other people to know that anytime i present a candidate i always find out okay what's the story and sometimes i'll work with the partner let's say he or she wants to look at multiple firms and they're not desperate I'll make a point to tell my client that this is someone that may very well stay with his or her firm. However, uh, he has decided that it makes sense to take a handful of meetings to explore other options. And that's the narrative going in. So nobody knows that your practice isn't on the market. I'll, I'll talk to candidates that I know they want to leave, but I know they don't want the world to know that they want to leave. They want, don't right. want the world to know that their practice is on the market. So, so number one, you've already lost the narrative and the potency of negotiation because you reached out to them. Secondly, what happens when the firm sends you an email and says, we've decided not to go forward? Well, who do you have that's going to poke around and find out why that was? Was there a misunderstanding? Was there somebody that just didn't like you on the meeting or what? Uh, the relationships I have with many of the internal law firm recruiting departments are very, very good. Uh, I've got agreements with 80 firms. I've probably got cozy relationships with about 30 and and I'm really super tight with about a dozen and many of them like I said they've even met my wife and little girl at conferences they've got my art hanging in their walls so I can make withdrawals from those bank accounts from which I have a very high emotional equity and I can ask them to do things to can you see about reconsidering it or, or whatever so I can in many ways sometimes I can keep the deal alive if it makes sense for that firm and I'd say third is how do you really know this is going to be a firm that's going to work for you? Wouldn't it make sense to at least have two or three other firms that you're looking at? And so what I can do with partners is when I work like a sports agent, I always let my clients know this candidate is talking with other firms. And I never share information about what one firm is doing with another firm. I keep everything siloed. And my clients appreciate that because they know that they can trust me with their information as well. But I'll make sure that one firm doesn't get too far out ahead. And so now if a partner, and sometimes this happens almost like an auction, it's done very classy where it's not a bidding war and I don't encourage a bidding war. And sometimes you don't want to get the highest offer. You don't want to have that target on your back when you work somewhere. But now now you have multiple offers. Now you can assess which opportunity truly is the one that works best for my clients. And then, you know, with certainty, what's the best option for you? If you're doing that on your own, it's very difficult to manage the flow of information 
to manage the nuance and to get information from the firm. It's better to have somebody that can maneuver within that firm that has those trusted relationships to get intel and to share it with you. So that's that's how I do that. And it's a full-time job when a partner moves. I've I've had some that if they try to do it on their own, they just see how much time it really takes. Yeah. And then you've got to, Oh yeah. We haven't even gotten to the conflicts yet. And we haven't even gotten <laughs> yeah. to the, the, you know, the LPQ, which stands for long painful questionnaire. We haven't gotten <laughs> to the data that the firms need. And sometimes you know, when I'm, I have to say, <laughs> when I wanna, let me just say something real quick. Cause the question was, if lawyers don't use your services, what might they expect? But what I'm getting from you on the answer is so beautiful. It's not just an answer to if lawyers don't use your services. It's if lawyers don't use you, Scott Love. I mean, this is beautiful. You, you definitely have those trusted relationships on both sides. And I think that's, you're almost like an ombudsman, if you will, a secret agent ombudsman. <laughs> So yeah, kind of, kind of like that. I, yeah, I know, I know where those speed bumps are going to be in the process, and I know, uh, and sometimes even giving the partners intel. So, for example, there's a group. Uh, there's, there's probably about about a dozen partners and groups and merger things that we have percolating, kind of in the beginning to mid level phase. And so, there's one firm that they gave me the criteria of what they're looking for, and I did some research. Here's the data, but I know that two of those firms they don't have an integration plan. And I'm not sure if I would want to present you to those firms. I'll give it to you as an option, but just know you don't have a responsible adult in that firm managing integration, so it's risky. So that's another thing, that's another variable that I can offer them is insight into what's it really like. It's one thing to see how a firm could line up in terms of practice and industry mix, but then the third variable is, is the support gonna be really there? Are you really being able to, able to integrate your practice in? And integration is key in the whole process. Sure, sure. And you know, people say, oh, corporate culture has to change. You can't change corporate culture. You can change one mind at a time perhaps and you know, thoughts, right. beliefs and such, and then they change their own behaviors. So this is something you might know a little bit about in advance of a candidate uh, you know, pursuing a firm. So really again bring in the love you know <laughs> scott love, right. love. The love. That's awesome. <laughs> you know you do so much for other people scott and that's because i know you now i've never met scott personally folks but <laughs> we have um, a great online on podcast you know peer-to-peer -peer kind of relationship and he's fantastic he's been super helpful to me in fact he doesn't know this but he's been quite an inspiration and to some degree a mentor if you will who in your uh, life has been a mentor or an inspiration to you, Scott? Thank you. I would say I've got uh, several. I would say my biggest ins inspirational people and mentors are my direct competitors, who I'm very close friends with. And I'm not going to mention their names on this podcast, <laughs> but I don't want to give them any press. We're all, we're all frenemies, right? We're all frenemies. And, uh, Keeping it real. And they've, they've, Keeping it real. That's right. It, you know, and they know some uh, some of the health things I've I've successfully been able to go through. They know uh, personal challenges I've had. They've helped me with that, and to kind of keep every you know keep my magical recruiting circus bus going forward. You know, and so I would think just just people that I know from I'm on the board yeah. of a group called the National Association of Legal Search Consultants, which is a trade association of legal headhunters, if you can imagine 
something, which means that we have really good support for each other. We provide programs with content where you're going to be speaking, and we have really good happy hours. So it has everything <laughs> that people We're in my world want. <laughs> That's right. No, I'm but I think I think those are people. Liked. Yeah, yeah, but the people that have supported me are, are those that I compete with in in a way but we call each other up to help each other out on our problems. And I think also, I really appreciate my wife's support also. She stays at home with our little girl. She used to be a social worker uh, for an assisted living facility. She said she misses her old people. I said, hey, you got me. I'm, your old, <laughs> I'm the old people in your life. Don't rush it, Scott. I'm a caregiver to my mother. Don't rush it. It's, your, your life is an angel on earth because I'll tell you, it's killing me. So yeah. Uh, that, that's something. She sounds amazing. I look forward to meeting her uh, soon. So that's right, great. right. Well, let me ask you this. This is probably a, a very important question. Um, you are quite compelling, and I feel honored to be in your circle. Uh, what if there are lawyers listening who want to connect with you or other people? How, how do they connect with you? They can go to my site. It's attorneysearchgroup.com. I've got all my information on there, and I'm happy to talk to someone. Even if someone says, I want to go in-house, I refer people to them. I don't ask for a split or any share of anybody that wants to go in-house. Uh, I just don't because it's outside of what I do. I don't do associate placement, uh, but if anybody, even if you're looking to grow your practice, and if you've got questions, let me know. I've, I've actually written some articles. I'm going to be posting those on my blog that talk about this is what I've seen in business plans. Because from my perspective, I've seen some amazing attorneys out there that have built thriving practices. So one thing I want to do at some point in the next year is write a book that kind of describes, this is how you grow your book. From my perspective of seeing people that haven't done well and those that have, and what do I talk about? I talk about growing the book when I'm talking about them going into another firm. So I've read their business plans. They've shared that with me. And I read that, they share the data that I share with the clients. So I've got all this information and there are certain patterns and trends and action steps that a partner can take to grow his or her book. So that's one thing that I'm going to be putting together out there at some point. But, uh, but yeah, if people want to reach out at any time. I'm happy to talk with them and see if I can point them in the right direction. You're the knower of so many secrets. <laughs> I love it. You're like, like something out of Lord of the Rings, you know, you're like the mystery. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. More, more like Caddyshack. I think, I think more like Caddyshack. <laughs> There's that golf. That's the movie with which I see myself. That's, that's right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's probably the one golf <laughs> reference I can relate to more than any other golf. That's right. Uh, I did play on Greyhawk once in Scottsdale and, um, oh, I, yeah with some serious serious golfers when i worked in financial services and all they could say to me was could you just skip this hole <laughs> could you just skip this <laughs> and move on because apparently i was holding up all the serious golfers so well <laughs> it has been so much fun as it always is uh, the only difference today is we're recording but you're always so much fun on the phone and uh, thank, I you. thank you thank you for your time yeah. And thank you for everything you've done for me to introduce me to your network. And I'm going to give you a shout out. If anybody's looking for advisory work in her areas, she's a true professional, even got booked to speak at our trade associations conference. So I'm excited to see you speak there and excited to be the MC at your program in December in San Francisco. Well, thank you for mentioning both of those. I'm super, super grateful to, to NALSC 
for inviting me to keynote. I'm thrilled. It's going to be a fun time. I think I'm funny. Um, you're going to have to, you know, be my plant in the audience and giggle when I think I'm funny. So <laughs> just in case, That's right. just in case I'm the only one that thinks I'm funny. But uh, you're awesome, and I can't wait for you to emcee our event here in San Francisco in December. So have a great day, Thank everybody. You. Thanks for listening, and Scott, thanks for being here. Thank you. Bye-bye.